0: Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Rashad. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine We're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Man, what a great episode with Lindsey Graham. We learned all about how he built two of the top podcasts in the entire country, if not world, and really just his story about how he came up, how he created these shows, and really his thoughts are on how do you create as a creator, how do you create some of these really amazing projects and turn them into something way bigger than what you expect. Hope you enjoy the episode. Guys, welcome to today's episode of The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazdeh, and boy, do we have a special guest. My friend Lindsey Graham is here. Welcome to the show, Lindsey. Thanks for having me. So, um, you know, you don't know this as you're new to the show, but, you know, a lot of the people we bring on the show, I I have past relationships with, and and then a lot of folks we're actually now, we're kind of getting outside the envelope, and we're really out there looking for Folks who have done amazing things uh, in the world, whether that be business, artistically, uh, entrepreneurially, and and then some. And you know, I had my team reach out because uh, Lindsay, you have you're producing some of the most amazing podcasts out there in the world today, and we really wanted to you know dive into the work you're doing and have you come and share your greatness to our audience. So thank you for being here, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you for calling it greatness. (laughs)
0: Uh, well, you know, so for listeners who are new new to the show, really, you know, the, the foundation of the show is people creating greatness despite the odds. And, you know, when we started looking out there, you know, I, I asked my producer, I said, Hey, I I really want to interview people that have created amazing podcasts. Um, I, I think that podcasting is, is this, you know, really amazing art that's, that's growing a lot right now. I mean, one could argue it's a new form of radio, Um, and, and so, um, if you don't mind, I'd love to give a little bit of your formal, formal bio and then, and then we love origin stories here on the show. So I'd love to dive into your origin origin story. Does that work for you? Sure. Perfect. So, uh, Folks, Lindsey Graham is the Webby award-winning host of the podcast, American History Tellers, American Scandal, and the American Elections, uh, Wicked Game, and is executive producer of the audio dramas 1865 and Terms. He's podcast producer, sound designer, and composer who has worked on Dirty John, Dr. Death, Bad Batch, Business Wars, The Lead, and others, reaching tens of millions of listeners. He's also the CEO of his production company, Airship, and he seeks to expand the human understanding and empathy through audio storytelling. So, so proud to have you here. Um, I was talking to Noah before the show and I said, you know, it's always this like Kevin Bacon, six degrees of of separation in the world. And I said, um, season two of, of dirty John is based on my friend's mom, Betty Broderick. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, wow, like how random. So you, you produced that show or composed that show. What, What was your involvement with the dirty John? Uh,
1: season two of dirty John, uh, of dirty John or Dr. Death?
0: Sorry, dirty John.
1: Okay. Then I had nothing to do with that.
0: Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I said, but it's still a small world. I, I said, oh, I know that show. I, I, I didn't see it here on the podcast, but I did see it when it made it. Uh, I think it was on Netflix or something like that. So, um, Lindsay, I'd love to take a step back. Obviously, you're doing all these amazing things in the world of podcasting and, and, and audio. I'd love for you to kind of take us back and tell us how you got started in, in this, this part of the world.
1: Uh, yeah, well, it's an accident. Um, so I've always, uh, been interested in audio. Uh, I'm a, I'm a musician and composer. And, uh, and for a little while there, uh, actually, I'm talking to you from a, from a garage studio that I built uh, almost a decade ago. Um, oh, two yeah. decades ago, Christ. Um, anyways, um, so, you know, producing bands and, and scoring short films and, uh, composing music and playing guitar were, were, things that, you know, that I did on the weekends, uh, as I had a normal everyday nine to five job, uh, in, in marketing. Um, and, uh, it was something I did for fun and occasionally a small paycheck that might paid for you know, buying the next guitar. Right. Um, but in, 2017, 2016, something like that. No, gosh, it would have been earlier. 2015, uh, I had left my marketing job at um, a university after 10 years there and found a new job at an insurance company in the private sector um, and lasted about a year before they fired me. And (laughs) uh, that was totally okay with me because uh, we were not a fit. Uh, it was a much smaller company run by a a, a very different personality, and um, I was not enjoying it. And so, you know, uh, that's fine. You know, th- th- some sometimes things don't work out. Um, and but what this did was give me an opportunity to say to my wife, um, "Well, this was not expected, but you know, we we have some savings, and we we were a dual income family." What if I try to make a go at a, a meagerish living in audio? And uh, she gave me enough rope uh, to try it out. So um, that's what I did. I, I moved back into this this studio that I kept for you know kind of a hobby, and tried to make a career out of audio. What that meant, though, uh, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't really have a business plan per se. But I did um, by chance meet someone who was coming down from New York um after being a freelance uh audiobook producer for Audible for years and years, and he was looking for studios and, and other partners to build his audiobook business. And we actually hit it off pretty well uh and decided to start a, a small company that focused on audiobooks. Um what we learned very quickly was that the audiobook business is uh is a ruthless game of of volume and so we were cranking through these things uh, without a lot of joy in the work uh or at least on my end um and uh but we did have aspirations to expand into podcasts so this really was 2014-2015 so i think think serial was you know kind of making waves and uh, putting podcasting into the general zeitgeist um now i had had a podcast previous about about music and local bands back in 2005 wow. so i was you know semi-familiar with it and 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 had been tr- listening to podcasts since almost there were podcasts um, but this was my first attempt at actually making one uh, uh, in a business-oriented way. Um, but uh, uncharacteristic for anyone interested in the, the actual business side, we decided to make a, uh, an audio drama, uh, You know, a fully scripted and casted sound effects uh, uh, podcast that I didn't know really existed you know, after the golden age of radio. Um, mm. It turns out they do, or, and, and uh, they did, but it was a smaller, small niche of the podcast world. Certainly here in the United States, uh, in the UK, the BBC had continued to do it as a, as radio plays. But we Americans just kind of forgot about it uh, in general, and uh, so it was a bit of audacious to to start. But we 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 decided on an idea that I had um, way that I first came up with in college. Um, about a, uh, a president who fundamentally fundamentally, um, realizes that his replacement, after his two terms is up, will ruin the country somehow. And so we started writing this thing in, in 2015 about an outsider businessman, ideologue, uh, who gets elected uh, by a, 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 a an electoral win, but a popular loss, and he threatens to upend the entire system, uh, and uh, pays no attention to norms, and um, and uh, and all of a sudden, towards the end of that year, Donald Trump comes down his golden staircase, and we're like, "Are we are we reporting, or are we are we <laughs> writing fiction? Um, it was like
0: art imitating life? <laughs>
1: yeah, we didn't. We, in fact, there were a few times that we had to change the script because um, the current events were too similar. We oh thought gosh. for sure that no one would use the historical historically racially charged slogan uh america first and and yet that that started happening so um we were yeah so it was a good show called terms um and we produced a couple of episodes and tried to shop it around and no one was interested because everyone's a man everyone's good politics out no one's going to listen to this they don't want to listen to this until donald trump won his surprise electoral victory and uh, stumped the pund- pundits, and then we got a call back from Wondery, uh, a company that had initially turned us down. and And Hernan, the CEO, uh, had an intuition. It's like, you know what? This was a surprise. Um, I think people may be interested in this story now. <clears throat> um, and so, Wondery, uh, a much smaller company than it is now, um, decided to to distribute the podcast, and that was my first real podcast. Um, it was probably a failure, um, certainly commercially, it didn't reach the audience that it needed to reach. Uh, it has never found enough impetus to, to have a season two. It was, uh, critically well-received. We got our picture in the local Dallas paper here. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a real success. And about at that time through that process, I had also had a falling out with my co-founder of the audiobook company. And, um, I was, I was kind of done with, with that situation. And so I decided, Mm. well, you know what, this was a fun ride. Uh, let's, let's quit. Let's go back to what I'm actually trained to do, which is marketing. I have an MBA. Um, and, um, and so I went back to nonprofit fundraising for the university I'd left four years before or whatever. Um, that was not a victory. It was a bit of a, uh, a defeat, really, um, because my big grand adventure had had ended and not well. Um, so that was the end of my podcasting career. And then you invited me on to the show. <laughs> um, no, actually, uh, Hernan Lopez, the CEO of Wondery, called me about six months after the end of terms. And um, by a stroke of luck, um, I had... Decided that um, it did not make any sense for the characters of the show, the villain or hero, to voice any of the ads in in the the, the podcast terms. It just didn't feel right, and we had no narrator uh, that wouldn't have felt. We didn't have one, so and it also wouldn't have felt right to me either. That suddenly these these fictional characters try and sell you a mattress. Um, so it was my show. Um, so I decided I should do it. I mean, I, I could have a degree in marketing. I'm sure I can write an ad. And so I started writing the ads and they were for mattresses and meal box companies and all the, the, the regular stuff that the podcasts are, 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 are sponsored by. Um, and that decision led six months later to Hernan calling me because he just loved the way I wrote and, and recorded an ad. And he had this new little project called Dirty John that was, uh, hosted by a journalist who could not make personal endorsement endorsements. Interesting. Um, so they, they needed someone else to just step up and, and hop into the, the, uh, ad endorsement space. And I said, sure. Thinking this would be another, you know, nights and weekends voiceover gig. And, um, but then he surprised me, uh, and asked a second question and said, Hey, I'm also thinking about a, um, a history show we've had some success with this kind of show called uh tides of history and also some s- success with this uh kind of more narrative show uh called what, i mean there's several of in, them into jaws or uh into star wars telling the the behind the scenes aspects of these films and he had this idea to kind of merge these two existing shows into something he was calling american history tellers a narrative character forward retelling of of important aspects of american history and he asked me if I was a history buff. And uh, I said, of course I am. I, I don't know if I really was, but you, you don't say no to a question like that. <laughs> and um, and so uh, we hammered it out. And I was all of a sudden the the host and, and composer and sound designer for this new Wondery property. Um, we, we figured we worked for a couple of um, months. And then whew, January 3rd, 2018, his, American History Tellers debuted to number one. On the iTunes iTunes charts, and mm-hmm. I don't know why that, that happened, but it happened, and I'm glad for it because that was my career. You know, that was the beginning of my career in podcasting, uh, and it, it really was just a string of accidents. Now, after that string of accidents, I took full control, or I tried to. Um, I was still working full time, and the the amount of work involved in in producing history tellers was getting onerous. It was tough. I wasn't i wasn't seeing my family enough but it was also a very new gig in a very new industry and i felt even though he was paying me well more than the university was paying me actually um i I didn't feel it was prudent to go on another misadventure in audio after i just failed once um and there was too much risk so um instead what i thought was you know what if i had two of these podcasts then kind of I'd be spreading my risk and uh, making enough money in the short term that, that would be worth my while, a portfolio of podcasts, you know, that to, to, to distribute the risk. And, um, and so I went back to Wondery with an idea that I cooked up called American Scandal. Um, and it was the same formula as American history tellers, but with a more salacious spin to kind of capture the, the true crime portion of the market. And, um, uh, that actually debuted at number two on the iTunes charts. Right behind uh, the same day uh, it launched, so did the second season of Serial. So there's no way we we're going to get the, the number one spot. But um, as, since then, even though it never reached number one, Scandal is is uh, probably the biggest Wondery always on show. You know, apart from their huge limited series and uh and it's still kicking today and after can, that can I just a, more sh- more shows
0: yeah can i ju- i want to jump in here for a second so so taking a step back um i have a couple questions so going way way back what was it about audio that 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 drew you to audio like why why audio i mean i i have friends on and i have a, a friends of my family i don't know if you know the kitchen sisters on npr um, but, but they're friends of my family and and they love like the, the storytelling. They love the the rawness of audio. What, 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 for you drew you to audio? Uh, I don't know that I can articulate that well.
1: Um, except that, uh, that I am an, an audio forward person. You know, I know in school, I never took notes because they distracted me from listening. All I needed mm, to do okay. was just sit there and listen. And that was the best way for me to absorb information, which of course infuriated my, my teachers, but. um and and when i listen to music i i barely know the lyrics to any songs i i I just don't pay attention they're not important what is important is is the tones and sounds and and rhythms and melodies there's something about just the waveform in the air the vibrations of my eardrums that that excites me more than the poetry of the lyrics so i'm i'm just geared that way you know um Mm. And uh, and so I, I I comprehend the world in an audio first manner, and I so I listen to my stories in an audio version. Um, you know, I, I have really haven't interrogated it, but if I wonder if if when I'm reading, um, I'm not kind of reading aloud in my head um, to hear the words. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm just kind of audio forward, and um, and that's always been the case pretty much as soon as I figured out what music was um, and what, what, what storytelling through nonverbal tones is. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so it's just always carried forward. It's always been a part of my life. And then when you figure out that you can marry, you know, like language, I, I didn't have a disrespect for any other uh, storytelling. And I certainly liked to read and I liked films and television but, you know, podcasting turns into this, this, uh, you know, melange of all of them, this, this beautiful layer cake of audio and storytelling. And so it, it was, it was for me.
0: I love that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben and & Jerry, and Supply and Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear, uses directed. I have a question. So so here, you know, you had the first podcast that you did. It didn't work out, and and but you, you got back up on the horse and did it again and then had these two big hits. Well, well I mean, just as someone who pod, who's, you know, I'm newer to podcasting. I've been doing it for a little over two and a half years. But, you know, how do you, I mean, what do you think was it that made, you debut at number one and number two for these two two podcasts. I mean, I got to assume it's not just luck. I mean, Wondery is obviously a well-known brand in the podcast world. What if you had to like put your thumb on it? What What, what do you think leads a podcast to be a hit versus a miss, and, and vice versa?
1: Um, no one knows is the real answer. Uh, I mean, certainly there's there's a lot of ingredients. One, Wondery is there. I mean, they're they're in the business of of trying to get. To make hits, right? That's that's their objective. They've thought carefully about this, and what that means is they know the mechanics of the charts. That they're not necessarily gaming them, but um, they they want to. They'll spend money on marketing, you know, right at the debut. They'll um, they'll uh, co- you know construct the show in the in according to their best practices, right? Things that have worked in the past. They have uh, institutional knowledge that's consistently and constantly growing. Um, and, uh, so, you know, having an apparatus like that is, is fantastic. Um, I think also in the moment, um, you know, probably, uh, there was when history tellers came out, um, this was a, a weird time. It was the first six or nine months into the Trump administration. And if you remember that, that was a, a lot of people were asking what the hell was happening. Um, right. You know, not only domestically but internationally. If, if right at that moment, uh, we were getting bellicose saber rattling from from Putin and North Korea, and all of a sudden people were asking, "Is this the new Cold War?" I mean, like, why are we talking about nuclear weapons when we haven't for twenty years? That was part of the reason why I chose the Cold War as the first topic of of uh, for the first season of American History Tellers. So there was probably some topicality. Um, I don't know that history shows were fantastically well represented as a genre. There might have been this aching, unfilled desire for them. There certainly weren't a lot of narrative ones, uh, a lot of, you know, uh, conversational discussion ones and a lot of lecture type shows, but not the more story driven ones. Um, But to answer your question as frankly as I can, no one knows. They do their best to, to put in what they think they know. Uh, but there's not a formula.
0: So, um, I'd love to switch gears. Um, you know, you, you, you're a podcast host and, and a podcast producer, you know, w- w- which is your favorite, like w- if you, if you had to do just one or is it, no, I got to do both because I want to have my voice heard and I want to create, what, what are your thoughts around that?
1: Um, yeah, so it, uh, <sighs> The way for me to think about that um, is is to think about how what jobs I've hired or outsourced, you know, because uh, I, I started doing it all myself. And um, and the ones that I've decided to keep are the ones that I, probably are most meaningful to me. Most of the time, that is the uh, the hosting, the actual telling of the story um, with my voice and then the the executive production level making um higher level decisions and and edits um and then and because since the, since I've started I have hired sound designers I've ha- hired uh dialogue editors I've hired composers every once in a while although that's infrequent um and I've hired people to write and research the scripts so um I think I think it remains a, a top level kind of executive, um, uh, desire of to, to truly understand the story rather than some of the nitty gritty of the, of the, the, the execution. Um, and, um, a lot of that comes to down to just my desire to really be very, very present in the storytelling. Um, you know, when, when I receive a script from a writer, uh, I do not read or review it. I just start recording it. Um, it's cold. And, um, that is a time-saving device, you know, mechanism. I, 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 I certainly shave hours off the process by not reading it ahead of time. And you could point to that as saying that I'm shirking my, my duty and not being responsibly, uh, prepared for it. But what I've discovered though, is that, uh, instead of, instead of being prepared or even over-prepared, I become the the first listener. I'm the first person on the planet to hear the words in the air as they come out of my mouth. And so I'm able to judge and manipulate and modulate the story uh, by listening to myself and by judging the the quality of the script right then in the moment um, by how well I understand it or I can direct its contours. Um, That's a very particular skill, and I enjoyed exercising a great deal. So I would never give that up. And then, um, and then I love discussing the real outline and intent and drama behind how these stories are built, uh, with, with my producers and editors. And, uh, but I can't, I don't have the time to actually write the things anymore. Uh, yeah. I very rarely wrote anything. So yeah, it's th- those are the things that I would ma- maintain and 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 what I spend most of my time doing now. I mean, I have three weekly shows and a daily show now, so I'm it's it's
0: that's a full plate. <laughs> um, so I I, I want to switch gears a little bit. So you know, I I I I have a lot of friends that that do podcasts, different versions. Um, most are more like my style, like the Joe Rogan interview style. Um, obviously there's the more of the story type of, 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 stuff that, that you're, you guys are doing where you're, you're, you know, have a storyline and, and you're taking people through a story. But when you look at podcasts and you look at the future of podcasts, a lot of folks I know think that this is the wild West, right? That this is, even though it's much more popular than it was a decade ago or <laughs> five years ago, that this is still the wild West and that podcasting has only up to go from here. You know, when you think of the future of podcast or why it's caught on so much and, and where you think it's gonna go, what are your thoughts on, on really the future of, of this business?
1: Um, well, you know, I've I've been with it for a while now. I've kind of seen it move from its adolescence and and into its uh <laughs> into its drinking age, you know. Um <laughs> Um, I don't think you know if, if I'm going to continue carry forth the, the metaphor of, of putting podcasting as a, as an industry uh, and comparing it to a, a human lifespan. We are probably in college right now, you know, like we're we're a sophomore or senior, and what that means is that uh, we were, we've had a couple of years of having fun. And, but now we need to get serious about things because we see some of our peers like buckling down and studying and all of a sudden the dread of of oh you know in, in a semester or two I've got to have a job uh, is, is impending on us and um, so that's probably where I, where I think we're we're at um, We've seen a a, a, um, a pretty professional a large professionalization of the industry um, It has gotten very... Very Hollywoodish, um, you know, as where once public radio uh, was probably a predominant influence on the industry, its styles and patterns, uh, and then radio uh, kind of got into it on the you know the the, the more chatty side. Um, now we have a large Hollywood players um, going both ways. I mean, Wondery feeds podcasts to Hollywood and Hollywood feeds, you know, uh, their content to, to podcasts. Um, and that will probably continue. Um, on the others, you know, on another side of the industry is the monetization and the prof- professionalization there. Um, you know, there was a time in which it was the uh, baked in host red ad. That was the only thing of currency, but now we have automated work, you know, marketplaces that will, uh, serve different ads uh, in different manner, and we have all sorts of different competing versions of attribution and um, uh, you know uh, analytics. There's there's a a, a real um, rigorous industry building up around podcasting and the popularity of it, uh, and I think that'll continue. Um, so some of the wild west will just be shaken right out of it. Uh, the sheriff's coming to town and uh, and that right. sheriff probably is is uh, economic s- sustainability um will podcasting will always just like youtube be a place where uh hobbyists or aspiring creators will go and and make things and make beautiful things but um just like youtube or or other uh other platforms, podcasting will be dominated by the people making the money because they one have the money to make the money, and two there's a real incentive.
0: When when you look at um, how you you're approaching this now, obviously you you made the, the comment that you're essentially outsourcing. I mean, you're doing three shows in a daily, so there's there's no you can't do all the, that's a professional you know gig if you will. So when you look at how you're approaching the business now, given what you just said regarding the professionalization of the industry and the way you're, you're, approaching shows, is that changing the way you're creating shows or the type of topics you're going after, or is it more of a, just a production quality, uh, monetization strategy, uh, walk us, walk me through like how you're approaching it. Given the fact that to your point, we're at like junior year of college, but we're going into adulthood. Yeah, well,
1: I I think as you gather experience about what's successful, um, you try to emulate that. There are some embedded questions, though, there, you know, the first of which is what is successful. And um, for many people, that will be um, I enjoy doing it for, you know, additionally or separately, it will be um, I am making money off of it. Um. There are some podcasters who are mission driven. I am changing other people's lives for the better because I'm doing it, um, and it may not be mo- making money, and they may may not enjoy it. Um, so the the definition of success needs to be defined by the by the the podcaster. Um, but I will tell you, for me, uh, uh, it's it's kind of all of those things, um, maybe even equally. Uh, weighted, but, but a a big weight, certainly not, especially now that I have employees, um, is to, is the business side of it. And once you put any sort of, uh, importance on making money, uh, then you do realize that, you know what? Topic selection, how I approach the, the tone of the show, uh, I want to make this the most appealing and palatable show for the broadest amount of people possible because that's how you make the most money for a show and that will change your your thinking about what what topics you choose, how you approach them. Uh, in the history space which I am predominantly in, um, I have seen absolutely the benefit of you know uh, playing the hits. there are certain topics in history that people just love. And it's the reason why the Manson murders have been covered 146,000 times because people just love it. And, uh, it doesn't matter how many times it's been covered or how well or how poorly, another one will probably do okay. Um, and, you know, in the history space, there's, you know, there's also, uh, in more strictly history, you know, World War II, Pearl Harbor, you know, Midway, um, the Civil War, you know, th- these things really, are fascinating to many, many people. And, um, and so, you know, if you sit down with a whiteboard and say, what am I going to do next year to make money? You, you, you will probably be pulled to playing the hits. Um, I don't particularly like that. Um, it's a reality. So I then ask myself, how can I play the hits without playing really the same tune? Can I remix this somehow so that my personal, uh, artistic integrity is somehow assuaged, but also I'm, I'm serving the, the 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 marketplace desire.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And it, look, there's there's a you know what we're really talking about is product market fit, right? At the end of the day, you can do it for to your point for all the different reasons you suggested, which made a lot of made a great point. I, I mean, I mean, like I said, I'm two and a half years into this, and it's just now starting to have some commercial success. Just now, barely. And, and when people said, why do you do it? I said, because I, I love doing it. To your point, that's the first reason why I kept doing it. Like two shows a week. It's uh-huh. because I enjoy it. But now, but as you, to your point, like any business, as it evolves and you see opportunities, then you grow from it. So I, I agree. I appreciate that. And I think that there's a great point to be made around how can you make it your own whilst at the same time having good product market fit so that you attract an audience that makes it viable to get the message out. Speaking of that, so the, the, I'd love to kind of move into the direction of of two things. First of all, Airship. So you you are the CEO of Airship. Um, walk us through that. Like you you've been doing the shows with Wondery. Was this really a vessel, a company to own those shows? And uh, what is what is Airship? How, why did you start it? To walk us through kind of the thought process around this business. Uh,
1: well, you know, Airship is uh, in the very early days. Was was just a mechanism to get a revenue shoveled through an LLC. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, so I had um, I had revenue that would be coming in through a contract with Wondery on a show that they own uh, they own American history tellers and American scandal. Um, and I'm on, I'm a, I'm contracted as an independent contractor to, to host and sound design the shows. Um, so, but as I, as I took on more shows and contemplated, the, the industry, which, which certainly rewards uh, owning the IP um, of these shows, especially in a, in a fictional context. Um, and um, so then I needed a repository for you know, to keep those assets and to, to develop payroll and, and all the other things that you might need a, a legal entity to do. And, um, and you're just smarter doing it through a, an LLC or some other uh, uh, formulation. Um, but Airship, you know, so Airship doesn't really have a, a consumer facing brand. Um, and that's okay. But I don't think that that's, um, going to be the, the, the case forever. If you ever listen to my shows, you'll hear the name Airship at the end because it's mentioned as the production company and, um, or even sometimes at the top, um, in the case of History Daily. Uh, but my aspirations for Airship are that it continues to grow. It continues to produce more original shows that it maintains ownership of and that we expand beyond our expertise in history into what I, what I consider is the curiosity space. We take our, our, our learned skills and expertise and in, in narrative storytelling and apply them to science and technology and health and wellness and, and everything around, uh, the, the history, which is also remains this place where people go to, to be amazed by the world around them. Um, and, um, and also to expand out from, from, from my voice, there is a physical limit to how much I can actually, how much air I can push out of this thing in any (laughs) given day. Um, and, um, you know, and that limit really, really is probably about two or three hours. Uh, I get too tired after that. Yeah. And, um, uh, so, uh, so I need new voices literally. And then also metaphor, metaphorically.
0: Are you, um, so when you think of like how Wondery is set up, or is your, is an idea around outside of just being that your production company is to actually bring in other shows, obviously to your point, like there's only t- so many hours a day you can scale your voice. Um, do you see Airship as a, I don't want to say competitor to a Wondery, but, but is that potentially an aspiration for you to, to go build a, a business where you're bringing in brands and shows under Airship and then promoting them? Um, yeah, so that, that's, that's an
1: interesting thing. One thing I, I I'll start the this this answer off with an observation about the podcast industry that it is fantastically collegial. While I would be a, a competitor to Wondery, um, very few people actually feel like competitors. I mean, there are some companies that like kind of position themselves like that way, but um, I don't work with them. And Wondery has been fantastic. Um, they've given me uh, when when I uh, debuted History Daily. Which was not a Wondery show. Um, they were very generous in supporting just me as a podcaster and allowed me probably you know fifty or seventy five thousand dollars worth of free advertising on my other Wondery shows um, oh, to wow. promote the the, the 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 debut. So yeah, I do have aspirations to compete with Wondery, but I'm I'm not I'm not afraid of them taking offense at that. Um, but the real answer to your, to your question is what are the, what are the, what are the horizontal aspirations for that I have for airship and do they include, uh, a network of non airship owned shows? Would there be affiliate shows that, that I take on and, uh, and try to distribute as a little mini, uh, wondering. And, um, the answer is, I don't know, but probably not. Um, the re- only reason to distribute an affiliate show would be to uh, well, there are two reasons: to grow your your network and your reach, the you know the, the shows that you have really close contact with, but also to to make some money off selling ads for that show, right. and that's a a uh, you know a core business process that I do not have right now and may not want. Uh, there are some excellent ad sales people out there, some, you know, fantastic agencies. And I don't know if I want to go in-house with that when I can just leverage some existing relationships. Um, that's the business, you know, decision for me. Now, what I do want to do with other people hosting and, and creating these things is, is bring out more shows that are airship owned and we will go to market in the best way we can, but it may not be, uh, in-house ad sales, et cetera.
0: Understood. Uh, And so I want to move to uh, talk about American elections. Um, It sounds to me like you kind of started with term. You started kind of going down this road of this election story. Um, Now you have American elections and, you know, we're, we're, I guess we have an election coming up here in what, five weeks, six weeks. Uh Um, But you know, it's, I'm not a massive historian, but I like historical, you know, I'm a historian. I'm a person that, that likes history and, there's a lot of people out there right now that are really concerned around, you know, what's happening in our electoral system, what's happening during the election time. I mean, I am not looking forward to the next presidential election. Just given what happened in the last one, when you start to think about how we can leverage, you know, this medium of podcast and, or, you know, this, the the art of podcasting to influence culture, to, I guess, help educate the population. Like what, what are your thought processes with, this, you know, American elections show as well as what's happening in, in real life right now.
1: Well, the, what was happening in real life uh, was absolutely the reason for the development of that show. Um, it is a very long, limited series. It, w- it had a mission to tell the story of every single presidential election. And so they've been there's been 59 of them. And uh, and so 58 weeks ahead of the last one, we started releasing one episode after the other. We started with George George Washington, and we ended up with uh, with Biden. And um, the reason why I wanted to tell that story in sequence in that manner was to was to reassure everyone that it has always sucked. That there's (laughs) there's there's never been a golden age. That it's always been putrid and violent. And um, you know there there are gradations, but it's always sucked. We have new ways of sucking. But it's always been bad. And that was the that was the um that was the mission. And um the you were supposed to get consolation out of that. And many people did, most people did. It's like ah, oh, I had no idea that people were literally stabbing each other over on, on the floor of the Senate over these things, and um and how vicious they were with each other in the press and the lies and the the backstabbing and all the, the backroom deals, uh, it's, it's always sucked. And if you understand that, because you don't, you haven't lived for 400 years, then, uh, then you might suddenly get some perspective and, and say, okay, all right, this is not the extraordinary circumstance. I think it is. I can calm down a little bit. And now that I'm calm, I can make better decisions.
0: Right that that i appreciate that i i'm excited to actually check that series out because i it's it's funny i was um i was kind of doing some i'm i'm really in economics and i said you know how many how many financial crises have we had in the United States over the last like 300 years? And when you start looking, it's like a lot of crisis of, yeah, it's like the, the sugar crisis of 1782. Mm-hmm. And then it's like th- three years later, the great, you know, the grandest depression, there's like 33 depressions, right? Yeah, We only hear about the last one in 1929, but when you go back, they, it was like every six years they're having like a massive depression. So it's, uh, I think we've, we've grown accustomed to uh, the comforts of, of maybe the the day that we're in but to your point we've we we've lived through a lot of volatility it's just i think right now is we live in a world where anything and everything is on blast and and it's loud and people get a lot of attention from being sensationalists and and so it it makes it feel like it's never this has never happened before and you're like yeah it has a lot right. actually so well, you know, we, we use Twitter, but I promise you in 1789,
1: they had pitchforks and torches, literally, you know, that, that they, they, they took to the streets. And, um, it, there were rebellions and there were, you know, economic depressions. There, there were, you know, pandemics that we know nothing about, even in the post World War II, you know, era. Um, not much is new. And if we just like settle down, and, and get accustomed to, to sometimes how hard living is, then we might get do better at navigating how hard it is now.
0: Yeah, I love that. So um, what do you have any big projects you're excited about that you'd love to share or anything that, that you're working on that, that you're allowed to share? I, I know sometimes people can't share, but anything that you're working well, on? Well, right you know, um,
1: I, I'm still excited by History Daily. We, we will um, be completing our first orbit around the sun uh, on November 1st which means that every weekday and many Saturdays since then uh, I put out a 15 or 20 minute show about what happened on that day in history. It is it is my little darling, uh one-year-old and uh, and it's still the apple of my eye. Meanwhile, um you know for your listeners, I would encourage all of them to to listen to Business Movers, which is the same sort of narrative uh storytelling methods that we use in in all my other shows but applied to Critical moments in business history, and uh, you know we we've designed that show with with uh, what I call the three C's. Every every topic and episode has to have a character, a crisis, and a concept. You know, uh, so right now we're talking about uh, Lee Iacocca and his taking over of Chrysler after he fire, was fired from Ford in the midst of rocketing inflation, and oh, how nice. he managed that. So. You know, we try to be topical, um, but we tell a good story as well.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing! I'm I'm so excited to check that show out. I I, I went and uh, looked a little bit online before, and that you guys were doing a bunch of stuff on there with uh, with Rockefeller as well. Is, is, right. is that correct?
1: Uh, actually, you know, um, if I can can tell you why, uh, so so earlier, you know, I said we play the hits sometimes to to get an off an audience, and in the history space and in the business history space, Rockefeller is a big name, of course. But I didn't want to do the origin story because that's been done. This is the story of when he almost loses. When, you know, as some overseas competitors from Europe band together to beat him as beat him in Asia and then invade America. And, uh, it is a story of Rockefeller on his, on his heels. Uh, and it's fascinating. And I didn't know much about it until we started, but it's very Rockefeller and it, you know, and and it, it tells the story of how Standard Oil, Uh, Turned into everything it turned into, but also where Dutch Royal Shell came from.
0: Oh wow, that's so that's so interesting. I'm 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 chomping at the bit. (laughs) You have a new listener. I'm going to be listening to it right after the show. But um, so I want um, I really appreciate you sharing that. And uh, yeah, for our listeners, we'll we'll make sure we put all this stuff in the show notes. Um, I wanted to to go back. So when I started the show, you know, I'd said you know. the greatness machine is really about people who have lived their passions to create greatness despite the odds. And, and you opened up, uh, appreciate you doing this just saying that, you know, I basically when I tried to make a go at this, it was a failure. And, and, but yet you, it turned around, like what advice, like here you are now, you have hit shows that are number one, number two on, on iTunes, you have a company that that's housing some amazing shows as well. What, you know, what advice, if you could go back in time machine, sit down with yourself in 2014, 2015, you know, when you were dealing with that hardship, what advice would you give yourself um, knowing what you know now?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And I want to answer it honestly and without platitudes. So it's, it's kind of hard. Like in, in that moment when I was realizing that my relationship with my co-founder and the, you know, the commercial success of my audio business was not working, um, I, don't know, I don't know what advice I, I could have heard that would have made it better. Um, it was, it was a horrible time in my life and, uh, and nothing was working and that's just a a crappy place to be. Um, you know, so, so what I did was, you know, took stock of, do I have to be grinding it out like this? Do I have to tolerate all these, these things that I I feel emotionally that I cannot tolerate? And my decision was, no, I don't have to do it. Um, Mm. I, I can give up. And uh, and you know and was that that's not that's not easy to do. I I did not feel good about it, but I certainly felt better moving on. Um, You know, I I was breaking up with a girlfriend I thought I really really loved, and uh, uh, but I I was better for it because she was making me miserable. Now, the better advice because I don't know I don't know what to tell someone when they're feeling down because uh, it's so hard to pick yourself up so hard to even gain the, the right perspective to, to, to figure that out. I think sometimes just accidents and time are the best best way to get out of those things. Um, but what, what I did do was when I was given the barest opportunity and the slightest glimmer of success is leverage the hell out of it, grab for more. They've opened the door. I'm going to shove it right open. You know? And so when history tellers hit hit number one and I realized I can't do, do this, I made a decision to do more because that would be the, the audacious thing and yeah. open up the landscape for me. I could quit my day job and be a full-time podcaster if I could you know, take this one piece of success and make it a bigger piece of success. And I have tried to follow that philosophy every single time. I, I try to, uh, podcasting is, like I said, a, a generous and congenial, uh, uh, place to be. I am as generous as I can be to almost any podcaster. And I found most of them to be generous to me. So I ask, I ask for success now. And, uh, I, I, I plot for success now. And if I get a little bit, I'll, I'll ask for or demand for or make more. Um, it was really the decision to, to grow wherever I could, whenever I could, um, rather than pick myself up, you know. Like so, I don't. I, I don't know if, if you. I don't know where I'm going with this. This. This difference, but it's really hard to stop feeling bad. But once you start feeling good, it's actually great to to feel gooder,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. I, I I really appreciate what you just said. I'm, I'm reading a Grit by Angela Duckworth. I don't know if you've ever read that book before, but she talks about how they did this test on animals, where essentially they're torturing animals, which is terrible. But but it was around like those that overcame versus those that felt helplessness. Mm-hmm. And there's this, and 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 they made the point that most of the time when the when there's no reason to feel hopeful, it's you know then it's how do we give up, right? And, but it does take that glimmer of hope that, that, which is what I just heard you say is like, look, like when it sucks, it sucks. And man, I've been there (laughs) where you're like, like, when is this going to be, I remember I I had this happen in one of my businesses where I said, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to learn here, but this is terrible and I'm can't wait for it to be over with. And I don't give a shit what the lesson is I'm supposed to learn, (laughs) you know, like make it be done. And then when it was finally done. It was done, and there there wasn't a lot to be learned. Except I don't want to go through that again. So I, I appreciate what you said, but but even more so, um, I'm a big reader, and, and so I just finished Rob Lowe's uh, autobiography, Stories I Tell My Friends, which is an awesome book. And he and he, you and him said the same thing. He said, I took every opportunity I had and and ran with it if I saw that there was an opportunity to get more and learn something. Right. Which is what I just heard you say. And and I, th- I think that there's a lot of wisdom there and, and clearly it's working for you. So Lindsay, keep doing what you're doing, man. Cause it's awesome. And um, really, really grateful to have you here on the show today. Thank you. Well, I plan to, and thank you. Um, well, so yeah, with that said, what, a, what an amazing show. I learned so much from you, Lindsay, uh, you're creating greatness in the world. And um, just as an aside, um, anyone that wants to connect with you on learning more about the shows or wants to find out more about where they can learn about your shows, where's the best place for them to connect, to learn. More
1: yeah. About? I live on Twitter. So you can find me at, uh, Lindsay, a Graham, L I N D S a Y, which is important when you have my name, uh, a Graham at, uh, at Twitter.
0: Yeah. If you Google Lindsay Graham, you may get a different Lindsay. <laughs> There's some so scally growing
1: out there who's absconded with my reputation.
0: He is he is dragging you through the dirt. <laughs> oh man. Lindsay, thank you again so much. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. All right. Uh, guys, uh check out the sh- uh you could go to Lindsay A. Graham's uh Twitter and we'll put that in the show notes as well as check out airship.fm if you want to get all the different shows uh that, that Lindsey's working on. Uh thank you guys so much for listening today. If you love the show, please share it with your friends. Give us a great review. With that said, peace out. We love you.